welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And today, I have my assistant, Kevin Noor, with us today. Hey, guys. And I've got our deacon of worship, Joel, with us today. Hello. And I've got a pastoral resident, Brasson Amix, with us today. How's it going? Yes. <laughs> and we are following up from our um, last podcast on the Bible. And this one's going to be short and sweet, we think. And it's going to be on six things you need to have a good Bible time. Wow. All right? Pretty simple. Um, our goal, we already let you know our goal. Our goal is to get you into your Bible more than ever before. There are other tools. You can listen to the Daily Liturgy podcast the Dwell Bible app, all of those things are good. But that is going to be more of a uh, meditative and kind of, it's not going to be a study. It's not, you're not going to get depth from that. It will help you. Maybe you will help, help you memorize it, but you're not actually going to be you know, studying. And so if you're wanting to, to study the Bible and go a little bit deeper, I think there are, at minimum, there's six things that you need to have with you. When you study the Bible, okay, let's just jump right into it. Um, number one, a consistent time and place. Mm-hmm. People overlooked us. Mm-hmm. Um, man, you need a spot. You need a corner, a nook, a chair, a couch. You need some ambiance. It helps to have a spot um, that's yours, that your books are there, your Bible's there, your, the stuff that you need is already there, and, and a consistent time to do that, right? Um, intimacy doesn't happen on the go, doesn't happen hurried, doesn't happen on the way from here to work, from your house to work, right? You got to slow down for intimacy. You got to connect. And so you need to make time and space for that to happen. You got to plan for that to happen. And so I recommend you got to, most people have to get up earlier. Yeah. Mom and dad both need to get up before the kids. Now, if you got, you get them little mother scratchers that wake up at like 5 a.m. <laughs> I know that's, that sucks. You got to figure out something else, right? Um, but if you got kids that are sleeping in, you know, seven o'clock or something, and they got to get up at seven to go to school or something, then you can get up at six or you can get up at five thirty. Do it. It's going your time with God is going to be much more fruitful if you have a consistent time and place. Now I know there's some people, single people, whatever they can do it at night. I've never ever been able to do it at night. Um, it's first thing in the morning or it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's first thing in the morning, it doesn't happen for me. So um, we got to have a plan here. So ask yourself, um, you're not just going to randomly study the Bible. You have to make a plan. What time are you going to do it, right? What place are you going to do it at? Maybe it's a coffee shop. Maybe it's a library. Maybe it's a back porch. Maybe it's a front porch. Maybe it's your bedroom. Um I would say make it somewhere there's minimum distractions. So TV's off, 
Um, I, I don't even listen to music. If I do listen to music, it's going to be instrumental music with no mm-hmm. words. I don't want nothing distracting me. I want the Bible to be the very first thing I look at every single day. So I'm not going to open my news first. I'm not going to open my social media first. I'm going to go straight to the Bible. Actually, for me, what I'm going to do is the first thing I do, I wake up, I walk downstairs, I'm, I make uh, pour over coffee. I gave me about three or four minutes, five minutes probably, of getting out of that grogginess. It's a little bit of a liturgy. I'm engaging myself a little bit. I'm grinding my own beans and making my own coffee. And then I get that first sip of heaven's nectar. Oh, it's just so good. And I go and I sit down in my chair. And, and my spot has changed. My spot changes a lot with the seasons. If it's nice out, I'd love to sit outside. Oh, yeah. If it's cold, I'm sitting by the fireplace, sitting by the sitting by a heater, something like that. It moves around all the time. But find a, a spot that is your Bible spot because your body works liturgically. So for me, when I preach, I am a liturgical, liturgical animal. When I prepare my sermon, I come in every single Monday. I light a candle. I turn my instrumental music on. I get my coffee, I open up my Logos Bible software, I get my Bible, and boom, my body, my brain, everything tells me it's sermon prep time. I've created these grooves in my brain. When all of those things are happening, my my mind is just immediately in Bible mode, in, in sermon prep mode, and I can just jump right into it because I've created those grooves in my brain, that liturgy in my life. Well, it's the same thing. Every morning, I sit down in my, my chair, my time and place, boom, open it up. So this usually it needs to be in silence and solitude. Now, listen, if this happens, what I do now, if the kids are up, so sometimes my kids beat me up. My son's an early morning riser now, so he wakes up a lot of times at the same time I do, and he reads his Bible, um, or he wakes up a little bit before me even. So if I've got kids up and they're being noisy, I just put on some noise-canceling headphones. Make, they got breakfast, they got their thing going, and I just sit over there in front of them, put my noise-canceling headphones on, and continue with my, my Bible time. Mm-hmm. So first thing, you need a consistent time and place. All right? Think mood, ambiance. Do you need candles? What do you need? You know, what's going to get you into the mood? You need coffee? You need tea? Um, you want something comfy, but not too comfy that you're going to fall asleep, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. All right? Secondly, thing, second thing you need, a good Bible. Now, in our day and age, there is absolutely no excuse not to have a good Bible. I would recommend the ESV Study Bible. You can get it online. You can buy it. You can have it a paper version. Um, what I use now is I use um, the U version. I use U version, um, the Bible app. It's just called Bible, I think, and, but it's made by U version. Um, iOS, you know, on my iPad, and it's uh, and then I, I read a daily plan, whatever daily plan I'm in. Usually, I go through, well, whatever. I, I'm not going to go into all the all the plans that we can go into right now, mm-hmm. but uh, I would recommend the ESV or the NLT or maybe even the Message if you're just getting into it and you're struggling with language and how you know different the biblical world words are. You could read the Message Bible to help you. Um, or even the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now, that is not a replacement, no. but 
if you read through it once, you can get, kind of get the, the overview. Oh, I get everything's pointing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But if you, just by reading that Jesus Storybook Bible, you miss vital details uh, in every single story. So, so I, I think for every single person, a study Bible is a necessity. Um, because inevitably you're going to be reading something and go, what? And your, your first answer isn't to Google it because if you Google it, you don't know if the guy on the other end is a biblical scholar or if he's a liberal fool, Mm. you know, you don't know. And so you need to have a solid commentary. And so the first step would be the ESV study Bible. That's conservative, um, brilliant, some of the best scholars of today. And it's just miniature. It's not a full commentary, but it's got a lot. So a lot of the questions, you're going to be able to find out who wrote this book, when was it written, why was it written. You can read that before all the chapters. You can look down underneath and you can see all of the commentary that's written about those scriptures. Now, um, the next step would be to have a commentary. Um, and commentaries, again, are not easy to find. You got I mean, they're easy to find on Amazon, <laughs> but you don't know what's good or what's not. And so the easiest answer I would say is send an email to me, send an email to your pastor and just say, hey, I would really like to study the book of Revelation. I'd really like to study the book of Colossians or the book of Matthew. And I would, and I would give you one commentary that would really help you to read alongside of it. And there's different levels of commentary. There's like levels for the normal person and there's levels for scholars. And you don't want to grab a scholar and just be like, what is he talking about? So anyways, mm-hmm. first thing you need, consistent time and place. Second thing you need, a good Bible. What do you guys think about that? Those first two. I mean, how, where are you guys at on that spectrum? And I mean, do you, so far? I'm probably the opposite of you. Our consistent time and place in our family is at nighttime, right before bed. And so I will eat dinner, and then we'll do something with the boys, um, and then me and Emma will do something while the boys are asleep. Um, and then for myself, it's, if it's just me, it probably isn't like consistent. I'm just looking and seeing where I can find time in the day. But the time with my family is time that is set aside and intentional. So you, you're using kind of family devotions as your personal devotions? <clears throat> no. Um, for I probably fall victim or guilty of uh, relying on dwell for personal devotions. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've been trying to do this year is listen to the book of Proverbs just as many times as I can. And so... That's like the main thing I'm doing. And then like with my fight club, we're trying to memorize Second Peter. So I, f- I don't know. I feel like it's helpful to always have somebody to be accountable to when it comes to scripture reading or studying the Bible. Um, and I'm a little loosey-goosey when it's just me. Mm. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, I got, I got the seasonal thing too, man. I, I mean, I hate the winter because my favorite spot in the world is my back porch where I can smoke a cigar and it's screened in, no bugs. So that usually shifts at my Bible reading time to the night. And actually right now it's 
my studying and Bible reading time is actually still at night because I've found myself at the fireplace in the front room. I've just shifted it all in there. The only thing missing is a cigar, so I got to light a candle or something <laughs> to get my something about smoke or fire that triggers that in my brain. But yeah, I, I think that's super important. And having 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 a Bible that you enjoy, I I, I have a, a a journaling Bible. I don't journal in it a ton, but if I have a like what I think is a deep thought or something that's new to me, I love to pencil that in um, and kind of have it as a little reminder, like oh, I've been here and maybe I'll come back by it and see that point again. Yeah. I'm studying on something else. So. Yeah, you're jumping ahead. Sorry. He's already oh. jumping ahead of me. My bad. So that's it. So first thing we need, we need a consistent time and place. Second thing we need is a good Bible. And there's a lot out there. ESV Study Bible. There is like um, the R.C. Sproul Study Bible. I can't remember what that one's called. Um, the Reformation Study Bible. The NIV Zondervan Study Bible. There are a lot of, I'm just looking on my shelf, there are a lot of good study Bibles out there that you should start with. And then if you want to take your study to the next level, get a commentary. And here's one thought. Whatever we're going through as a church, send an email and say, hey, what, what commentary should I buy? Mm. And f- go work with us through through that section of Scripture. Work with us through that book of the Bible. That will help you. And then it's almost like a game. If you read ahead, you're like, I wonder what Justin's going to preach. How's he going to preach this? You know, uh, And then you know it, it'll help you be more engaged on Sunday morning. <clears throat> okay, third thing I think you need for good Bible time is a pen and a highlighter. All right? Don't underestimate... A pen and a highlighter. Highlighting things in the Bible, um, it's there's a tactile sensation to it. Something feels good about it. You you are noticing that, okay, this is important. This piece right here, I think God is speaking to me in this section. Um, you can underline it. And um, and then if you and then what makes it what what's good about that is then when you Somebody maybe something comes to your mind and you're going to share an insight with somebody and you're like, oh, I just read that. Oh, and you can, can't remember exactly where it was, but you know it was in the book of Proverbs, mm-hmm. somewhere around the 15th to the 18th chapter. Mm-hmm. You can flip over there, look real quick, and boom, you've got it highlighted. And it just jumps off the page at you and it's there. So something about highlighting it, underlying it, maybe even writing in the margins, it helps you me- me- think about it, helps you remember it, and it also kind of personalizes your Bible. Yep. You know, it makes it your own. And so, so it helps you just get a handle on it and get an understanding of your own Bible. Mm. And uh, that's kind of what's kind of unique about the version Bible is you can still highlight and everything digitally and your highlights are just always there. And you can write notes and your notes are always there. Mm. Whereas I remember the first time I, I ran through my Bible, I wore it out and I was like, oh no, I got to start over and get rid of all of my highlights. It was a <laughs> difficult, difficult experience. Okay, the fourth thing you need. You need a plan. Um, you need a reading plan. I do not think um, the quote-unquote Holy Ghost plan of just opening up your Bible and wherever it falls, just choosing to read that. Um, you know, about the sixth time it lands in Malachi because it's about right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> You're like... All right, this isn't working. Um, and I like ambitious plans. I like Bible in the Year plans. I think everyone should be doing something like that. A Bible in the Bible through the year um, where you're getting a little bit of the Old Testament, a little of the New Testament, maybe a little bit of Psalms and Proverbs every single day, maybe one chapter of each every single day. My favorite plan of all time is the M. Cheney 
Bible reading plan. I think I've been through that at least four times. And that is, it's all, all these are on version, And you go through the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice, and Psalms and Proverbs twice in a year. Um, last year, I did the um, Bible Project mm. year in the Bible, which just, it's chronological. So it goes from basic, you know, so you spent, I spent a long time, like seven months in the Old Testament. And there were some good things about it because the Bible app has like videos and introductions to, to each book and overviews. And I did it with a group of people from my missional community, which was cool. We can write our notes every single, every day they asked you a question. What did you get out of it today or something? Or what, what's the one thing God spoke to you today, which is pretty cool. You can mm-hmm. do that with your missional community or fight club. And that's, that helps track progress, keep you up. Um, my son was doing it with us and he's, he was about 60 days behind, but still for a, you know, mm-hmm. 13 year old kid, uh, he's still working on it. So he's still plugging through it and he should finish it here in, in you know, the next 20 days or so. So it t- it'll, you know, that's cool too. It's, it's a yearly program, but you can just keep on it and finish it in 14 months. Like really who cares? Yeah. Who yeah. cares that it takes you 14 months rather than a year, yeah. right? You, you still, still got, read more than you probably would you have still got had a plan. Yeah. You still got it, you know, and uh, as a seventh grader, eighth grader now, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So there's lots of reading plans out there. Now, this year I did something different. This year I just said, you know what, right away, all I wanted to read right now is the Psalms. And so I just chose a Psalms, uh, a Psalms uh, plan. And I'm just right now, I'm just reading through the Psalms every day. I'm starting like with a worshipful heart and just reading and reading. I think it's like four or five Psalms a day. There's just New Testament plans. There's just gospel plans. There's what I would stay away from is all of the Joyce Meyer garbage on those used thirty days to a you know whatever. Um, those kind of cheesy plans. Those are topical cheesy plans. I would completely stay away from. Yeah. Do books of the Bible. You could if you're really dealing with something like anger or something. You could you know I could see how it could be beneficial, but most of the time, those plans are not very. They're not very helpful. Mm. You know. Um, it's better to choose a book of the Bible or choose some kind of um, yearly plan or three-month plan, New Testament in 30 days, New Testament in 90 days. Uh, choose, choose a plan like that, okay? Uh, fifth thing you need, a journal or a whiteboard for recording your scripture highlights, prayers, and meditations. So Joel already talked about having the ESV journal Bible. They've got margins on the side for you can write... You, you to write in. Now, you know what? I'm going to add to this and say, there's a lot of people that are finding it helpful to doodle in yeah. the sides, to draw if you're artistically bent, mm-hmm. um, to draw. My wife does this. She draws in the sides of her margins, whatever the thing is she's reading. Now, for me, that just looks like my kids got a hold of my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking stick figures and stuff. Uh, so I just write notes, thoughts, uh, my I can see my journaling Bible right over there. I use it for um, different insights and stuff. But it's good to to have a thought or even a question. Mm-hmm. A journal or a journaling Bible, you you like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Guess what? That's a perfect opportunity to email your pastor and ask me because I would love to, to help you study your Bible and help you understand some things and figure some things out. So... Um, I use when I write my sermons. I use a whiteboard to help me get the main ideas of the text. Um, but it's yeah, it's always good to to have a journal uh, next to you to record your scripture highlights, your prayers, your meditations. So one of the things I do when I'm reading the Bible, 
I, I'll use the scripture as a prayer. If I see it, I'm like, oh, yes. I want to repeat that. And I'll just pause and I'll say, Father, would you do this in me mm-hmm. and read that scripture again? Mm-hmm. I want this to be true of me. Mm-hmm. Father, get this out of my life. I hate this in my life. And so you can write those things down. You can journal those things. You can get them out of your head into a journal or margins of your Bible. And that's, again, going to help take that text off the page and into your psyche, into your soul, into your mind, into your heart. Um, any thoughts on that? You got any thoughts on that? Hmm. I think one thing that's cool about journaling is that uh, it allows you to almost see your sanctification. Mm. Because you can go back to the Bible you used three or four years ago and say, oh, I didn't get this, or I wanted to be this person. And now I'm a lot closer than I was then. You can see what God's doing in your heart and life. Mm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Yep. Well, the last thing I, I recommend everyone have in their daily Bible time is their schedule or to-do list. And the reason I recommend this is because inevitably, when you sit down to read and pray, your brain, your flesh is going to go, you ain't got time for this, bro. Mm -hmm. Did you remember that you got that assignment due? Don't you remember that you've got that project that you got to work on? You needed that email to send? Hey, look at that thing over there on the counter. You need to go clean that kitchen. You need to go do this. You need to go do that. Your brain is going to, we're so busy and we're so chronically anxious and we're so chronically on the go that when we sit down in silence and solitude to be still and know that he is God and to let him lead us by side still waters, right, where he can restore our soul, our soul is going, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. I'm going to be busy. Well, your brain works in such a way that until it knows you're going to handle something, it's like the perpetual snooze alarm. Yeah. That just... He's going to remind you every 30 seconds that you haven't, that you have to get gas on the way to work. Okay. And that's going to distract you from Bible time. So what you do is you have that thought, oh, I need to get milk. Boom. You open your to-do list app or your schedule. You put it in it. You write it down. Brain says that's in the to-do list. That's on the schedule. You can even say, hey, Siri, remind me to pick up milk on the way home. Boom. It's out of your brain. Your brain says, okay, good. Now you can go back to... <laughs> She's listening, um, and your brain says you got it. You got it taken care of, right? And so then you can go back to reading. And yeah. so I, I always say, have that journal or that to do list or that schedule right there next to you. <clears throat> so your ADHD or your crazy brain can just relax and sit down and read and enjoy God and enjoy that time. And listen, we, I didn't really put in here, I didn't, I didn't say how long it needs to be, but I would say bare minimum, you're wanting 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Bare minimum, start with 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Start with 10 minutes of Bible reading and five minutes of prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's probably what, what you do. Or a prayerful Bible reading, like I talked about. As you read, you're kind of praying as you read. <clears throat> Those are all... Um, things that are, I think are kind of necessary for a good Bible time. Now, let me maybe discourage you and encourage you possibly at the same time. 
I was reading a book um, by Tim Keller on prayer. And he made the statement that really stuck with me. He said, for the first 20 years of his ministry, he wasn't very good at prayer. And it wasn't until he got cancer that he really got serious about prayer. And when he did, he studied the Bible and read every book he could about prayer and really was like, all right, what does it mean to pray? How do you pray? All the, learned everything he could learn about it. But this is what got me. Keller said, so I began to implement all of this into my prayer life. And after about two years of doing it every day, I started to feel a real difference in my life and intimacy with God. He did it every day for two years <laughs> before he really sensed a change, a depth, an intimacy. Now, what that is, Jocko says discipline equals freedom. And that's an easy way of saying when you're disciplined, it opens you up to a level of freedom that you would never have if you weren't disciplined. And so being disciplined and doing it, even when you don't feel good, even when it doesn't feel right, even if it's not fruitful, you're just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And then all of a sudden, you become the type of person where now fruit begins to grow on the vine. You don't even know it. It's like the little kid who's throwing the baseball and throwing the baseball and throwing the baseball and throwing the baseball, and then 10 years later, he can throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Mm -hmm. If he would have quit day one and goes, this sucks, I'm terrible at throwing this baseball, I'll never throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, then he's right, he will never. But if he throws 30 miles an hour and 31 and 32, whatever it is, you know, for 10 years, he becomes the type of person that can throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and have fun, right? Or maybe go pro or whatever. The same thing is true in our devotional life. Mm. Wow. People are sometimes are like, how do you do what you do on Sunday morning? How do you get what you get out of the text? I'll tell you what, I couldn't do it 10 years ago. I couldn't do it 15 years ago. I definitely couldn't do it 20 years ago. I was, well, I was garbage 20 years ago. I couldn't do what I'm doing right now, probably even five years ago. Every year it gets easier and I get better and I can, the text opens up in a different way for me and, and I'm, and then, takes less time in my sermon prep. And so you might not be that fruitful right now, but by using your discipline and just saying, I'm going to do it every single day, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. If I get an hour here and there, I'm going to go an hour here and there. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to be consistent. I promise you, understanding the Bible will be a lot easier a decade from now. It will be a lot easier. Pieces will fit together. You'll be able to put pieces, how, you know, I'm going to give you some tools in the next one of actually how to do your study, but we just wanted to give you these kind of six things you need before, you know, to study the Bible. So the last thing I would say you need there is just discipline. You just got to put it on that schedule. You got to make it happen. You got to pull the trigger. You got to do it. And, and that consistency is going to pay off in the long run. No one creates a deep, meaningful, theologically rich devotional life with Jesus in a year. It, it, just, it just can't. It's like, think about literally going from little leagues to the, to the big leagues in a year. It doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen. It's small, consistent, discipline, over time, 
and you build the capacity to be able to read and understand and commune with God in deeper and deeper and deeper ways. And then the richness is amazing. And the beauty, there's a beautiful payoff on the other end. You guys got any thoughts or any questions on any of that? Well, just as you're saying that, I think sometimes it's it's helpful to know well, we talked about in the last one, but you know, why, why to read your Bible. Um, I, I think about, we talk about being, having a telos, being teleological creatures. We, we're, we're pulled towards goals, you know, or we're, we're pulled towards the things that we love. And if we, if we have a, even an image of ourself, that's, I want to be a more biblical man or woman. I think we've experienced the, hopefully you've experienced a person like that where they're just like, this is a Bible saturated Jesus loving person. I want to be like that. Um, well, you got to do these disciplines. And so having something out there in, in the future that you're aiming towards while you're doing it can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're kind of like, well, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? That's another good reason why is to say, I want to be this type of person. And this type of person probably has weeks, months, years where it feels dry, maybe, potentially. And, uh, you, you know, having that telos out in front of you, pulling you, pulling you Absolutely. towards it. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. That's the thing, man. Like, people don't realize how boring it is to be great at something. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. to be a great wrestler. Every great wrestler has drilled. They, they, they have almost the same moves as a six-year-old wrestler. They're the same. Single leg, double leg, stand up. You watch college wrestling, you, you see all of these moves. The difference is the NCAA champion has drilled that same single leg millions of times. Yeah. He has just done that single leg a million times. So his whole body knows every detail of the intricacies of that movement and how to respond to the other guy's movement. And what is that? Drilling a single leg a million times? That's nothing but boring. I mean, you're... He's getting pulled forward by wanting to be an NCAA champion or an Olympic champion. He's getting pulled forward by that telos. But it's pulled forward by pushing through the mundane and the boring and the discipline of just a a single leg shot. And the same thing. Reading is hard. You're right. Reading is hard. Do you know how to get better at reading? Read. There's no other way (laughs) to get better at reading. You just read. And to let everybody else know, like when I was 18 and got saved, I had never read a book in my life. Like I had never read one book in my life at 18 that I'm aware of. Maybe it was a you know big little kid or something. I was an ADHD spaz who had no value for education. Mm-hmm. I hated college. I thought college was dumb. I was never. I didn't even think I was going to go to college until I. I wanted to wrestle. That's the only reason I wanted to go to college. But I got to college and I realized this is stupid. I dropped out of college my sophomore year. Said I don't need this. I already know more than these guys. You know. Yeah. And then that's how I thought. I thought. And then I got saved. And all of a sudden I became, I had this huge desire for the word of God and a huge desire for biblical wisdom. And then I started reading my Bible and then I started reading other books and then on and on and on and on it, now on it goes. So if you want to be a man or a woman of the word, there's only one way that's going to happen. And that's by spending time every day in the Bible. Um, and don't judge yourself by how, how fruitful was today. Don't judge yourself by that. <laughs> You're just, you're taking swings, you're taking single legs, you're taking shots, you're practicing, um, you're preparing yourself, right? So 
All right. Hopefully, those six things you need for a um, good time in the Bible every single day. Hopefully, you can put those on your calendar. You can make sure you get that happening. And next time, we will come together and talk to you about how to have a good time alone with God in the morning. All right? If you have any questions, guys, please email me, justinneedsacredcitychurch.com. We love you. Talk to you soon.